Good morning, friends. Welcome to another Bible talk. And I'm so glad you joined me this morning. You could be alone. Maybe you've got a family or friends around you. Either way, a warm, warm welcome. And thank you for joining me this morning. As I told you, I started this series and this Sunday morning uh, service or the Sunday morning sermon, you could call it, uh, just to be able to connect God's word uh, with you, just to be able to uh, share what's on my heart as well as explain the Bible to you. You know, the Bible talks, it speaks, it speaks to you, it speaks to your life, it speaks to your problems, your concerns, your hurts, hangups and uh, habits. There isn't anything that you don't have an answer for that you can't find in the Bible. And the Bible is true. Every part of it is true. And God, his word is there for you. That's why I'm so committed to sharing God's word with you every week. And I hope that you'll make it a habit to join me. Do also take the opportunity to, to subscribe so that you get to know what's going on. And when a new video comes out, also uh, leave a comment so that, you know, I can engage with you. I can I know that you're, you're listening, you're watching, you're, you're feeling, you're, uh, uh, you, you're thinking about what I'm sharing with you. And please do share it with others so that there will be somebody who will be blessed by the blessing in your life. You get that? The Lord bless you. Let me say a quick word of prayer and invite our speaker for this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you are God and no one else. I mean, if there's anyone who should be God, it's you, Lord. And Father, you are perfect, you are holy, you are sanctified, you're majestic, you're all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving. And Father God, you have reached down to us. It was your love that drew our love. It was your desire for us that invokes a desire for you. We didn't even know, we didn't even feel we were dead to you, Lord, but you reached out to us and you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came into this world. He gave his life for us. He restored the relationship that was broken. He covered the sin that violated your commands. And he went back to the Savior. He went back to the, the, the Father and, and, and restored everything that was lost. And now you place faith in us. And by that faith, we are able to receive the grace that is ours through Jesus Christ. For all this, we are grateful. And we're also grateful for what you're about to speak to us, Lord, because your word is your word. And it, is, it has your life and it has your mind and your thoughts. And you only can communicate and go the distance that my words and my intellect cannot. So, Father, would you touch my friend right now? As he's listening, as she's listening to me and uh, and engaging with the word of God, Lord, would you touch them and would you let them know that it's you speaking, Lord? It is you speaking. We are opening our ears to hear from you, Father, this morning. Lord, would you speak in Jesus name? I pray. Amen. Well, we're in the Gospel of John. We're in the 17th chapter and the the 17th chapter is about the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. Now, we call it the high priestly prayer because Jesus is the high priest and he has gone into the real temple, not the one made with hands here on earth, uh, but the one in heaven. And he's gone to the very mercy seat and he has shed his blood and sprinkled his own blood there so that we, our sins can be covered because he has done that. 
he has become a faithful and qualified high priest on our behalf. Now, a high priest not only takes a sacrifice into the temple for the for us, the, to the holiest of holies, to the mercy seat for us, but a high priest also prays for us. So this is the greatest advocate we have ever had in the greatest place we ever need in heaven. Jesus Christ is our greatest advocate. And I've termed this, I've, I've titled this series just that, the greatest advocate, Jesus Christ. So when the greatest advocate speaks on our behalf, we have confidence. We have confidence. A funny story, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he says, uh, I'm going and uh, where I'm going, you cannot come. Uh, and uh, uh, But I will come back again for you. And the disciples were like, uh, what? Where are you going that we cannot go with you? I mean, we've been following you all over the place. And ever since you said, follow me, that's what we were doing. We've been following you. And Jesus was talking about going back to the father. He was going back to heaven. He says, you can't come, not right now anyway. And he was talking about going there for a purpose finishing the task and then coming back to take us to be with him. But here's what came up. When he said that I'm going away, his disciples were, note this, sad. His disciples were distraught. And he said, don't worry, don't worry, don't, don't be disheartened. Uh, put your hope in me. I will be back. I will send my comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. My friend, this is what I'm trying to say. As we look into the heart of God, a window into the heart of God, a window into the heart of the, the high priest, the Lord Jesus, we, we get to see that his protection and his presence is what he wants for us constantly. His protection and his presence is what he wants for us constantly. See, God loves you. And when you love someone, you want to be with that person. You want to share with that person. You want to take care of that person. You don't want to miss a moment of that person's life. You want to be part of everything in that person's life. That's love. That's care. That's affection. And God loves you. So Jesus, now that he's restored our relationship with the father, doesn't want to be apart from his disciples even for a moment. And he says, I'm going, but I'm coming again. And while I'm gone, my spirit is going to be with you. So this prayer has a lot to do with that moment, that time, that period where he was going to go away and he was then going to send his spirit to be with us. And during the time that he's going away, there's going to be a separation for a short period of time, like the bridegroom and the bride when they're separated and they wait for the bridegroom to finish building the house so that he can come back and pick up his bride and take his bride home. This is what we're waiting for. Till then, he prays a prayer for his disciples. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Uh, we're in John chapter 17 and verse 12 to verse 18, verse 19, 12 to 19. And you have it in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen at the bottom of the screen. You can follow with me. No problem. Let me take you through this passage of scripture and give you some points that you could remember. And again, if you don't want to take it down, it's on the screen or you can email me and I'd love to send it over to you. Firstly, remember this. All who chose to follow Christ were guarded by his physical presence on earth. All who chose to follow Christ were guarded by his physical presence on earth. So here's the deal. Jesus said, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. As he went through life, as he walked through the, uh, the streets of Galilee, he, as he walked through the towns uh, where he preached, people wanted to follow him. And he said, follow me, follow me. And they followed him. And Jesus said, while I was with you, I protected you physically. 
while you see that in verse 12 while i was with them and he's talking to god the father he's talking he's praying he says i kept them in your name i guarded them in the name that you have given me i have kept them the second thing he says is i have guarded them so i have kept them and i've guarded them and not even one of them was lost here's a shepherd a good shepherd taking care of his sheep, arguing for the one that was lost, even putting 99 away into the shed until he finds that one last. He is fighting for every last soul. Maybe you're that you're the hundredth person that he's coming after today. Maybe today your heart will open up and you will come back to the, the shepherd of your soul. But Jesus prays this. While I was on earth, I looked after them and I, I, I covered them and I protected them. But now I'm going away. Look at verse 13. But now... Father, I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy filled in them, fulfilled in themselves. Let's read that again. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them uh, in themselves. So you see, firstly, Jesus was on earth on earth while he was there all who followed him had his physical protection no one could touch them because the master was right there he was in the boat the disciples are like oh god what's going on he's like where's your faith he says i'm right here what is your problem every now and then they would they would freak out every now and then they 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 panic and he's like what is your problem where is your faith i'm right here but now he's going away what does he do Write the second one down. Jesus gave his word so his disciples could share his own joy. Jesus gave his word so his disciples could share his own joy. So I'm going, but I give you my word. I give you my word and I'm going to share my word with you. And my word is what is going to give you and fill you with joy. Because if I'm going to go away and that's going to fill your heart with sadness, don't be overcome by sadness, but be comforted, be, uh, uh, be, be encouraged. I am with you. I will I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. He repeats that in John 14 and several times over in the New Testament. He says, now I'm going to heaven and these things I'm saying while I'm in the world so that while I'm here and you before I go, you hear me say these words for you. Isn't that amazing? See, when somebody you love is leaving and they are going away for a long time, those last few minutes, those last few moments are so precious. And every word you hang on to, you remember those last words just before they leave on a long vacation or a long stint away or a long travel. You remember those words and you find assurance. You find comfort in those last few words. And Jesus knows that. He knows what we need. And he says, I'm saying these words out loud last days just before I leave so that their joy will be fulfilled in me. My joy will be filled with them. What is your joy, Jesus? Well, Jesus knows I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to complete the work that the Father has given for me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to advocate for you. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to represent you in heaven so that you can complete the work that I've given to you on earth with full marks, with full gusto, with full confidence, right to the finish line. I'm going to cheer you on to the finish line. I'm going to go and from heaven's throne, from the top uh, of, of, of heaven's view, I am going to make sure that you finish well. You'll find that story in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, 3. God is, uh, the Lord Jesus is, is looking after us and looking over us to watch over us. So he says, I'm giving you these words right at the end as I go so that my joy will be in you. My joy will be fulfilled in you. These I spake in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them.
Isn't that amazing? Jesus knows what we need. We need to hear his word. We need a word of assurance. We need a word of hope. Write this down. This is point three. If he wasn't accepted as God's word, he knew we wouldn't be either. Jesus. If Jesus wasn't accepted by the world as God's word from heaven, then he knew that those who receive God's word from heaven will also face the same consequences as he did in that rejection. Are you getting the logic here? Jesus is the word of God come from heaven to us and we received him by faith and he's going to pray for those who received him. He's going to pray for those who received his word. So he says in verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Why? Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So what is the problem here? The problem is that the world is going to turn its back on those who receive the word because they rejected it. They didn't love Christ. They're not going to love you. They hated Christ. They're going to hate you. They rejected his word. They're going to reject you. You can't be popular with the enemies of Jesus. You can't be friends with the enemies of Christ. You can't be uh, uh, popular and you can't be successful and you can't live a life and build a life with those who have turned their back on God. They have deliberately turned their back on God. And that's what Jesus calls the world. The world is Adam and everything he represents. The world are those who have decided to stay in darkness decided to reject the light. They hate the light. John, uh, uh, Romans chapter 1 and 2. They don't want to have anything to do with God. They would make up their own gods. They'll create idols. They'll create philosophies. They'll be atheists. They'll be everything but a subservient uh, worshiper of the one true living God. So he says, they have hated me and they have rejected me and they have not received my word. There's no way they're going to receive those who do receive my word. So I'm going to pray for them because they're living now in a foreign land. See, those who receive God's word suddenly become aliens to this world because they are not from here anymore. They are different. They are outcasts. They are called out. They're going to, it's going to, there's going to be a cost on their life. It's going to cost them. They're going to be a call on their life and they're going to be cast out. So Jesus prays for his disciples who are now different from the world. They're going to be hated. There's going to be persecution and there's going to be segregation. You see, that was his experience and he knew that was going to be our experience. He knew it would be the same for his disciples. So why didn't he just take us with him immediately? Why didn't he just take us to go to heaven with him? Well, because we are not only called, but we are also sent. We're not only called, but we're also sent. We have been commissioned by Jesus Christ as ambassadors into a world that hated him and rejected him because there are still people who will believe. There are still people who are yet to bow their knee to Jesus. There's still people who are yet to give their hearts over to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Number four, all who chose to follow Christ are guarded in his absence. All who chose to follow Christ are guarded in his absence. What does that mean? It means that while Jesus was on earth, he guarded those he was with. Physically present, he guarded. But then Jesus says, now I'm coming to the Father. Now I'm absent from them. Now, why don't I just take them with me? Lord, as soon as you went to heaven, why didn't you just take your disciples with you? Everything would have been fine and dandy. You would have taken your disciples into the, into the presence of God, into the new world where they belong, where they're citizens of heaven. Everything would have been fine because Jesus came into the world with a mission 
and he now leaves people with a mission. He sends people out with a mission. So now we have two problems. One is they are separate from Jesus and they also have a mission in a world that doesn't want to hear the gospel, doesn't want to hear the word, the truth which we have accepted by faith. So Jesus is praying for this dual problem here. He's saying, first of all, I'm not with them. So I want you to guard them because they are different and they are going to face the same hate, persecution and segregation that I met when I was there. It was my experience. But I also want you to look after them. So he says in verse 15, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. That would have been easiest. That would have worked really good. Take them out of the world, bring them to heaven. Everything would have been fine. No, I'm not asking you to take them out and see the clarity of the prayer there. It's specific. That's how we should pray. I do not ask that you take them away from the world, take them out of the world, circle, but, but that you keep them from the evil one. You get that? You keep them from the evil one. See, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He makes a point of that. He makes a point of that until it slams through and the people hear him praying over and over again. They don't belong to the world. They are with me. They don't belong to our, the world. They are part of us. They are with us. They are part of us. They are one of us. We are now in fellowship with them. They are part of us, Father. They belong to heaven. I can't bring them right now because they have a job to do. So until uh, they, ha they are still on earth and they haven't finished their job, I'm not asking you to take them out of heaven, out of earth and bring them to heaven. I'm just asking you to protect them from the evil one because he's the real enemy. He's the real enemy. He's the one who's going after them. He, this, this, this is not a fight against other innocent people, uh, other people who are lost, other sheep. This is a fight with the spiritual worlds of darkness. Remember Ephesians chapter 6? It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not, watch this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This present darkness, cosmic powers, heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Uh, and having done all that, stand firm. So Jesus knows we are in the world. He's not there. And now we are vulnerable. We're vulnerable to the hits, to the hurts, to the attack of the evil one. And if the evil one tried to attack Christ, how much more would he try to attack us? So he prays for protection over us. He prays for covering over us. My friend, my brother, my sister, you are covered by a prayer in heaven. You are covered by the word of Christ. No one can take you down. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Who is in you is greater than he was in the world. John 1 John 4 4. Look at that. It's on your screen. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Nothing is going to be able to separate you from Jesus. You may be distant, but you're not separated. You may be distant, but nothing will divide you. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, or powers, nor height or depth or anything else in all of creation. What? 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Promise after promise, promise after promise for you, my brother, for you, my sister, promise after promise to say you are fought for in heaven. You are spoken for in heaven. You are prayed for in heaven. You are remembered in heaven. You are talked highly about in heaven. You are glorified in heaven. Your name is secured in heaven. Your future is being scripted in heaven and you are made for heaven. You're strangers here. You're persecuted here. You are unloved here. You are unpopular here. You are cast out here. You are uh, you are unloved here. Maybe you will not fit in. You don't see a place here. This is not your world. You have been made for another. So Jesus prays for you. Jesus prays for you. All right, write this down. Number five, God's protection in the believer is his word and for his mission. You got that? God's protection in the believer is his word and for his mission. So we are separated from Christ. Therefore, we need protection and we are on a mission. Therefore, we need protection. So Christ has done what he can do while he was on earth. Christ has looked after us. He says, he, I've kept them and I have guarded them. But now he's in heaven. So he asked the father, protect them by your word and for their mission, by your word and for their mission. My brothers and sisters, my dear friend, remember the great enemy is lies and the liar. The great enemy is lies and the liar. So the great security is truth and the word of truth. You see that? So when you're living with an enemy that's lies and deception, the, the weapon and the protection is the truth. If you don't know the truth, you will fall for the lie. If you don't know the truth, you will be defeated by the lie. So he prays. Verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify means to set apart. Set them apart. Already they are different from the world. Set them apart for a holy passion, for a holy ambition, for a holy work. Set them apart so that their time on earth would be purposeful. It would be focused. It would be effective. It would be transformational. I've given them a ministry. Now give them protection so that they can get that ministry done. I've given them a commission. Now give them protection so that they can get that commission done. Sanctify them. Set them apart. How are you going to set them apart, Father? With your word. Your word. Your word is truth. If the weapon against lies is truth, if the weapon against deception is truth, then your word is truth. See, definitions for the truth are all sorts and all and sunder all over the place. People say truth is maybe your experience. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Who's to say truth is anything? Truth cannot be absolute. They go all over the countryside trying to avoid the fact. But the truth is that God speaks and what he speaks is true. Truth is not a word, but a person. Truth is not a fact or a, or a data, but a person. Truth comes from the heart of a person. God is truth and God by his word protects us against lies because the danger that we face, the threat that we face, the, the attack that we face is a, the lies and the liar. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And Jesus says in verse 18, as you send me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. See, Jesus is God, so he didn't need protection. But he's sending us 
vulnerable humans out there with the word of truth, with the word of grace, with the wonderful good news, the gospel to give to a world that is dying and without hope, to give to a world that has turned its back on God, to urge them to reconcile with God. As you sent me, Jesus says, I am sending them into the world. So chances are they are going to be hit with those who rejected me, those who didn't receive my word and the lies of the wicked one, the lies of the wicked one. I want you to remember two things. The safety of the believer is the guiding compass of the word within him. Did you get that? The safety of the believer is the guiding compass of the word within him. When God's word fills our hearts, when we read his word, when we study his word, when we spend time with his word, when his word rules our hearts and rules our minds, Colossians chapter 3, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, when his, when his word becomes the arbitrary judge between good and evil, right and wrong, when his word encourages us, when his word speaks hope and, 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 and brightness of future into our hearts, when his word shines the light of the good news and the love of God into our hearts, his word is like a compass that leads us forward. His word protects us from losing our way, from losing our focus, from losing our target. A second thing I want you to remember, the security of a believer is in the guided mission of God's call on his life. The security of the believer is on a guided mission of God's call on his life. What is your greatest threat as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Lies, and number two, loss of motivation, loss of focus, using your life for anything else other than the purpose for which God has left you on earth for. You should have gone to heaven the day Jesus saved you. But the reason you're here is not to buy a house and two cars, not to become someone great here in a world that doesn't love you or, or, or accept you. You're not supposed to make it big in a world that has rejected the God you love and worship. You don't belong here. This is not your world. But you are here for a purpose, a very important purpose. And that purpose is misguided and lost if you don't keep your eyes on the mission. So Jesus prays. He says he prays not only for the lies, but also for the distractions. The security of the believer is in the guided mission of God's call on his life. So Jesus prays for each and every one of us saying, sanctify them, set them apart, set them apart, not only so that they will be holy and separate for me, so that my truth will govern their lives, so that my truth will show them as separate to the world and its lies. But also guide them so that they are constantly focused on their mission. So the security of the believer is in the guided mission of God's call on his life. Safety of the believer and the security of the believer. Jesus is praying for every believer. As he ends, he says a most beautiful thing. He says in verse 19, and for their sake, I consecrate myself. For their sake, I consecrate myself. Why? That they may be sanctified in the truth. I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. I'm holy. I pray that they too will be sanctified, set apart and holy. Uncompromised with the world. Uncompromised with the world. 
That's why we sing that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. We are called to be a generation of believers, of disciples of Jesus, who understand that God has not called us to be about the world and for the world, but in the world and not of the world. He wants us to be in the world, but he doesn't want the world in us. He wants us to be separate so that we may be holy, set apart. He wants us to show the difference and not try to be the same as them. He wants us to be unashamed and audacious that we are different and that our calling, our values, our hope and our future are poles apart from the world and the people in the world we live in. He wants us to be unashamed that we have received the truth. He wants us to be aware that if we have received the truth, we are in for the same reception that Jesus faced and persecution and any kind of segregation is just part of the game. It's part of the deal. Anyone who puts his hands to the plow and turns back is not fit to follow me. Jesus calls those who are ready to pay the price to follow him. And I am challenging you to be different from the world and to even be different from the Christians who have compromised. Even be different from those who just think that Christianity is about living a good life. Christianity is about fire insurance and being saved from hell. Christianity is about living the grace of God here on earth. God wants you in heaven. Jesus wants to be with you. Jesus's greatest joy is to be with you. He wants fellowship with you. He wants fellowship with the Father. He wants all to be one. And he has gone to the cross to make that happen. How far will you go to obey him? What will you sacrifice? What will you give up? How far will you be willing to do what's needed? To give Jesus back what is due to him. I leave you with a challenge this morning. And I ask you to seriously consider the ways of your life. The priorities of your life. And the people in your life. I ask you to seriously consider. Are you separated enough? Are you living a sanctified life? Have you gelled with the world? And is the world comfortable with you? Or are you standing out, shining out as an example, as a, as a witness for Christ? That's a challenge. And I ask you to think seriously because Jesus wants you with him in heaven. And Jesus has left you behind for a purpose. He's coming back for you. And he wants to take you to be with him forever and ever. So my friend, Take your walk with Jesus very seriously. 
And if you've never committed your life to Christ, never acknowledge the truth that Jesus brought to you saying, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. Come to me and you will live. Believe in my word and you will live. I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. If you have never acknowledged Jesus and received his word, make it today. Do it today. Say, Christ, Jesus, I believe that you are the truth come from God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you shed your blood for my sin and that you covered my sin. I believe that based on what you did for me, I enter heaven and I have an, I have an entrance. I have a place in heaven. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I accept your work as that on my behalf. And I believe you and I choose to follow you from this day forth till the day I see your face. Make that decision today. Pray that prayer today. Rewind this and go over that prayer. Think about it. Don't rest until you've made your decision. Come, let's be different from everyone else, even from those who have compromised. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Leave a comment, ask a question. I'd love to engage. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll be back with you next week, same time, same channel with a word of encouragement, a word of truth here in a day and age where we most need to hear the truth of God's word and the hope of Christ. Have a good day.